Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Hello, family. Thank you for joining us again, Church Online. We continue to pray for our nation and trust God to undo this demon of racism in our nation. We believe that we'll come out better together and stronger together. So let's continue to stand together. I want you to uh, plan to be part of these two amazing uh, events that are coming up. On the 24th and the 25th of September, there is a virtual school of governance that will be taking place uh, online, and you can be able to register on the link that is provided. We will be speaking about electoral reform. We will be speaking about racism. We will also be speaking on topics uh, like how to rebuild the nation of South Africa. We have speakers like Dr. Michael Cassidy, Advocate Tuli Madonsela, and, and many more. So please join us as we seek to rebuild the nation of South Africa. Again, in October, we're going to be doing a series on race and reconciliation. Be praying with us and standing with us as we seek to go deep and wide in dealing with these issues. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Chantal Retliff, who is a prophetic teacher of the word. Chantal is one of our lay pastors here at Every Nation Rosebank. And uh, recently, Chantal and Stuart have become grandparents, and we celebrate with them. Let's open up our hearts to hear the word from this amazing, phenomenal woman. Hello, Every Nation Rosebank family. It's a privilege to share God's word with you today. We're in our rest series, and what a timely word this is, especially as we find ourselves living in the midst of a global crisis. Now is a time where we need to learn how to live in God's rest, because we're going to be chasing, facing many challenges, especially as we start recovering out of this place. Last week, Pastor Simon spoke about Sabbath rest as an identity. It's about who we are and whose we are. And he also spoke about our need to enter that rest. And today, we're going to look at how do you and I live in God's rest? What does it look like to, to have his daily rest as our reality? So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. Lord, let, let us be those who don't just hear your word, but that do it. Help us, Lord, to take the things that you share with us today and to equip ourselves with them so that we can be more than conquerors. We ask it in Jesus' name. So God has made his rest available to you and I, and he's done this for a very good reason. Because in this world, you and I will experience highs and lows. Life in this world is like a roller coaster. It's got ups and downs. Situations and circumstances that this life will throw at us has the potential to throw our souls around 
and make our souls uneasy, much like the last time I rode a roller coaster. Our kids were small, and it's many, many, many years ago, and we had taken them to an outing at Gold Reef City. And I don't go on these rides because I suffer terribly from motion sickness. So the rest of the family was gonna go. But my one son, he was watching his mom's hesitancy. And he thought, no, if mom's not comfortable with this, he was obviously dealing with a little bit of fear. He thought he's not gonna do it either. So the rest of the family got on that roller coaster. I'm sure you all know it. It's the one that does all the loops at Gold Reef City. And they got off and they were smiling and saying that was so great. And in a moment of good parenting, I gave in and I said to my son, because I didn't want him to live with this fear, I said, come, it'll be fun, I'll go with you, let's go together and I'll hold your hand the whole way through. So we got strapped into that, that roller coaster and off we went. And as it started climbing, you know it climbs to that high and then it's gonna drop you. I came to my senses and I realized you have just made one of the biggest mistakes. But it's too late, I couldn't get off. And so off we went, and around this roller coaster threw us from side to side, speeding around corners, going up high and then dropping us low, throwing us upside down as we went through the loops. It was over in a matter of seconds. But when I got off that roller coaster, my son was beaming with excitement an exhilaration, but I felt desperately ill, desperately ill, and that motion sickness, that nausea, stayed with me the entire day and it ruined my whole day. And life in this world is much like that roller coaster ride. It throws our soul from left to right, up and down, upside down, depending on the circumstances and situations that hit our lives. And it can make our souls sick, just like it made me motion sick. But God gave us his rest because he doesn't want our souls to be governed by the ups and downs of this life in this world. He made a way in Christ for our souls to park in rest, irrespective of what circumstances and situations we may be facing. Instead of this up and down of life, he made a place for our souls to live in a straight line, steady, stable, at rest. But how do you and I enter that rest? The Apostle Paul discovered the way to it. He says in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What Paul says here is abnormal. It's atypical to our experiences. 
He's saying that despite his circumstances, whether good or bad, he's content. Our typical experience is that the state and the level of our contentment is related to our circumstances. If our circumstances are good, we're up. But if our circumstances are not good, we're down and we're discontent. But Paul discovered how to take his soul off that roller coaster. And also his statement, if you listen to the language of it, it speaks of a rest. He says, no matter what circumstance he was facing, he was content. It sounds like a rest that he had found. And before you think that Paul had no reason to be uneasy because of circumstances that he faced. Listen to some of the things Paul went through. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 to 28, Paul's speaking. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Talk about trials and tribulations. Talk about opportunities for stress and pressure. Talk about opportunities through Paul's circumstances to take the roller coaster ride. But Paul makes a profound discovery. He says, I've found a place of rest, contentment, in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all these tribulations and adversities. And then he reveals to you and I how he did it. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. When I think of that word content, it describes to me full, satisfied, happy. Paul had learned how to keep his soul parked in this place of contentment. Notice that it is something he had to learn. It's not something that comes naturally to us. What comes naturally is the roller coaster ride for our soul to dip and rise with our circumstances. So to live in his rest and to stay in God's rest, you and I need to learn to be content just as Paul did. So how do we learn contentment? Number one, we must first overcome the myth of more. You see, our souls were created for God. 
We were born with a God-shaped vacuum in our human soul. In Ephesians 2, we are told that before you and I came to Christ, we followed the course of this world. We lived according to the passions of our flesh, our human nature. And we went about seeking satisfaction in what this world offers us. Things that can never satisfy the God-shaped vacuum in our human souls. The myth of more was deliberately designed by the God of this world to cater to the passions of our fallen nature. The myth of more says this, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more money, just a little bit more status, just a little bit more excitement, just a little bit more travel, a little bit more pleasure, a little bit more power. The myth of more can never say enough. Just one more possession, just one more position, and just one more award. The myth of more will keep you and I in the continual pursuit of just one more. And when we are caught up in this pursuit of just one more, we will always be in a state of discontent to one degree or another. Listen to what Proverbs 27 verse 20 says. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Our flesh, our, na our, our carnal nature can never say enough. It can never say I'm satisfied outside of Jesus Christ. The myth of more will keep our souls restless and in the relentless pursuit of seeking just a little bit more in the hope that just that little bit more will satisfy us, will, will leave us feeling content. But it's fleeting. A great example of this is the life of billionaire Howard Hughes. All Howard Hughes really wanted in life was more. He wanted more money, so he built an empire of assets. He wanted more fame, and he became a filmmaker and a star. He wanted more sensual pleasure, and he paid to indulge his sexual urges. He wanted more adventure, so he designed and built fast airplanes. He wanted more power and dealt in political favors and had two American presidents as his pawns. He was convinced that more would bring him happiness. But here is where this led him, to madness. He died a lonely, crazed, billionaire junkie. And they say that towards the end of his life, his eyes often looked dead blank. There was no life in them. 
You see, a little bit more of this world can never fill the God-shaped vacuum in our human soul. Only God can fill and satisfy the empty human soul. So if your soul is restless, if your soul is dissatisfied, the only little more that will satisfy it is a little more of Jesus Christ. Saint Augustine of Hippo has a great quote. He says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Christ died to set us free from being governed by the insatiable appetites of the flesh. These appetites keep you and I in an unending loop of seeking more. It's a cycle King Solomon correctly describes as vanity and a grasping for the wind. It's futile. But in Christ, we have the way to finally say to these appetites of the flesh, enough. But do we? What appetites are driving you right now? The answer is in the things you are pursuing. Are you in that unending loop of seeking just a little bit more? Just one more. And when will it be enough? You see, the insatiable appetites of the flesh lead us to one thing and one thing only, discontentment, because the flesh can never be satisfied. The soul can never be satisfied outside of Jesus Christ. And when we give into discontentment, it moves us out of the true rest we have in Christ and into a false rest, a counterfeit that place where we relentlessly pursue things in this world that can never, that will never satisfy and fill that unique God-shaped vacuum in our human soul. The Apostle Paul placed tremendously high value on contentment. In writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 10, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Friends, to learn contentment, we must overcome the myth of more. Point two, to learn contentment, we must place Christ as the source of our life. In Matthew 5 verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hungering after Christ is the only way to satisfy the human soul. 
This is how Paul got to the place of, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we see clear evidence of Christ at the center of Paul's life throughout the Bible in the New Testament. But I want to sum Paul's lifestyle up with what I consider his life statement. And we find it in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2. Paul speaking, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul placed Christ at the center of his life. With this statement, Paul is saying and demonstrates throughout the New Testament that he feeds off Jesus. He draws his life from Jesus Christ alone. Paul is saying, this is where I satisfy my appetites. And this is what I pursue relentlessly. Throughout Paul's writings, we find a pattern of Paul turning into Christ, walking around Christ as his center. I imagine Paul saying, Lord, what do I write to the church in Corinth in response to the accusations they have brought against me? I imagine him turning into Christ every time he had a need. Lord, I'm going to Rome and I know imprisonment waits me there. Strengthen me, Lord, so I can run the course you've laid before me. Or when he knew that he was coming home, I imagine him turning into Christ at his sentence, say, I'm coming home, but what about Timothy? Lord, what do you want to say to Timothy before I leave this earth and come home to be with you? And as Paul fed off Christ, as a matter of habit and routine, as we see so evidently in his lifestyle throughout the scriptures, he discovers something, the sufficiency of Christ. And the sufficiency of Christ so sustained him that when it came to dealing with a thorn, a circumstance, a situation that was stubborn and resistant and would not leave his life, he could say in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Paul learned to be content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. Are we content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities? But Paul shows us that we can be. If this is not yet our reality, he shows us that we can be that there's a place in Jesus Christ that we can be content in these places. 
He shows us that with Christ at the center of our lives, it leads to contentment. And that contentment in turn leads into rest. The place where our soul stays steady and parked at rest, despite our fluctuating circumstances and situations. Paul says, instead of trying to figure it all out, instead of trying to figure out why this circumstance happened to me, or why the thing I'm praying for has not yet happened. He says in his life statement, I've determined to, to know one thing and one thing only. And then he learned it really, really, really well. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul discovered something that you and I know today, but he lived it as, as his reality. Christ does not change. He is reliable. Our circumstances are always changing. They are unreliable. Is Christ the source from which you draw life? Is Christ enough for you today? Or are you adding other things? Christ plus just a little bit more. Christ plus just a little bit more status, pleasure, money, adventure, excitement. Drawing life from Christ and him alone leads to contentment. Psalm 23, he leads me beside the still waters. He satisfies my soul. Friends, let's follow Paul's example and make Christ our center. And let us determine today not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So to learn contentment and to live in God's rest, we must first overcome the myth of more. And secondly, we must make Christ the source of our life. And lastly, number three, Contentment is the result of trust. You see, you and I draw life from the things we place our trust in. They are places we feed our soul from. They are places we draw life from. We lean on the things we trust in. So what or who are you trusting in? Listen to what Psalm 20 verse 7 says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What are some of the horses and chariots you and I tend to trust in in our modern world? What are the things we tend to draw life from? What I can do, my skills my talents, my gifts, what I can buy, just a little bit more, just one more. And what I am good at, my reputation, the reward, these are the horses and chariots we tend to trust in and draw life from and feed off. 
But what happens when these things are taken away? Our soul hits the roller coaster and our soul can become sick with the tossing and the turning and the unrest. So to learn contentment, we must place our trust in the right place, Christ at the center. Not lean on the arm of flesh, what man can do for us, or on the arm of the world, what this life can give to us, what the things of the world offer us. Both are temporary, subject to change, unreliable. No, we must turn and lean on the arm of God. He's the only one that is dependable and unchanging. You see, Paul placed his trust in God and not in his circumstances. And as a result, he could say, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And after we've placed our trust in the right place, we must then grow in our trust relationship with God. We see demonstrated throughout Paul's life that as he grew in his trust relationship, he discovered something incredibly powerful. He discovered Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Which led him to boast in his weaknesses. Paul didn't lament his weaknesses, his circumstances. He boasted in his weaknesses, 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Contentment is the result of a growing trust relationship with God. In closing, what would our lives look like if we lived in God's rest as our daily reality? We are human beings, not human doings. Contentment lies in the being part, not in the doing part. Acts 17 verse 28 says, In him we live and move and have our being. To live in his rest and to stay there, you and I must learn to be content. And we learn this by firstly overcoming the myth of more. And saying to the insatiable appetites of the flesh, enough. By making Christ our source of life, the place we feed off, not the things of this world. And then we must grow in our trust relationship with God so that we, like Paul, can say, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me.
Philippians 4. Friends, a content soul is a satisfied soul. A content soul is a soul at rest. Let me pray for you. Lord, show us what sources we are drawing our life from other than you. Lord, help us by your Spirit to learn to be content. Today we repent of those things, those horses and chariots that we have been trusting in and leaning on. Help us as we determine today to make you, Lord Jesus Christ, the center of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you are watching today and you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you have not filled that God-shaped vacuum in your soul with the one true God, maybe you find and you identify with that unending loop where you are seeking to satisfy your soul in the things of this world. The Bible tells us clearly, only God can fill that God-shaped vacuum in your soul. If that is you today, I want to invite you to fill that vacuum with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Acknowledge Him now as the one true God and invite Him into your empty soul. Make Him your Lord and follow Him. And if you make that decision today, we are waiting to welcome you into the family of God. We are waiting to take you by the hand and walk this journey as you discover who you are in Him and who He is in you. So please contact the number at the bottom of the screen so we can do that. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a blessed week. Thank you so much, Chantal, for that message. What a powerful word. And let me encourage you. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come to me, all are heavy burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. And the thing about this is that you can apply the word of God into your, in your life right now, and it will bring you to a place of rest. So I encourage you, activate rest by going and applying what you heard today. And I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Other than that, we have a number on the screen right now where you can message somebody to stand in the gap and pray with you if you feel that you need prayer for absolutely any area in your life. Also, join us on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on YouTube for our corporate prayer sessions where we press into God and have a powerful time together praying for this nation, praying for people, and praying for the family. Have a great week. We will see you next week, same time, same place.